0: When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at
1: Marines.com.
0: When I look around our locker room, I don't see guys who are a problem you'd be surprised at you know how often that can be the case in a a locker room or you have certain guys who are just haven't figured it out I feel like you know in our locker room just as people the way the way they work the way they you know serve their teammates the way they play down to the very last guy I just feel really good about our, our group you know at the end of the day what matters is wins and losses and we have to you know have a better record than we do right now.
1: Ah, Kirk Cousins surveying the locker room and the damage Vikings one and four (laughs) after what was a really entertaining game last night on national TV. And we're going to dive into our pie chart of blame and silver linings and things we learned on NFL Sunday. A quick word for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, Federated is also on Twitter, at Ins. if you want fresh, relevant risk management content on a variety of topics, like, for instance, working in extreme temperatures or distracted driving and other topics. You can check out Ins on Twitter for those tips, and go to the website, federatedinsurance.com for uh, trusted resources and information about your local marketing representative. If you're a business owner, Federated is here for you since 1904, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. At Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins.
0: Mackie and Shot on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Wilson surveys fires and it is going to be caught by DK Metcalf for a touchdown. That is an unbelievable drive.
1: Yep. Yeah, one and four to start the season. And what I think what. Is the biggest buzzkill if you're... I mean, there's two types of Vikings fans. There's some that are like, yes, that was clutch! Thank for Trevor! And we'll talk about that. Uh, But then if you're actually rooting for the Vikings to win and turn their season around, the fact that they put out one of the best first-half performances in recent history, like, to shut that high-powered offense down and shut them out completely in the first half and to move the ball and control time of possession... And and to look that good, and then for it to just flip, and for you to look like bumbling idiots for like ten minutes in the third quarter, yep. And then to regroup and come back and have a big scoring drive, and and even make the right decision on fourth and inches from the five yard line, and we can talk about that and debate that. Just a, just a roller coaster game for the Vikings that ultimately winds up uh,
2: putting them in a one and four hole. Judd Solgad. I really enjoyed this game. I'm going to start by saying that. It was a fun game to watch. And my stance towards this game is, one, Phil, you're right. The game plan was great. Like, this is this is as good a game plan defensively as Zim can do for this year, given the players that he has to work with. Russell Wilson doing what he did was no surprise. This loss would rip your guts out and hurt if the Vikings were good like if this was a good team and it went back and forth like that um and you and you lost that game in that way in that stadium against that team the loss would really really hurt but I've said this all year and I will continue to uh to pound this drum I think what we need to look at is the growth potential from these games for this team among the players that can grow. And I think a lot of guys last night got very valuable experience in an environment against a quarterback who is going to walk into Canton. Like this is not gonna the first ballot um in immediately. So I look at, at that game last night, and I think my new so I think my new parameters for Vikings games at least for uh, 2020, are this. Did I enjoy it? Because if it's a piece of crap, then no, I didn't. But that was fun last night. Like, there were mistakes, but that's fine. It was fun. Did I enjoy it? Did I see progress from those who you want to progress? So there are certain vets that, okay, if they play well, that's fine. If they don't, that's fine, too. But I don't expect much. Um, but there are a core. There's a core group of young players who I think that on a week to week basis, if you're a fan, you, you can basically hone in, in on, and you know who those players are. Do they progress? Last night, I thought the answer to not all, but a lot of those players, and the question was yes. So those are those are the things I think are most important. I don't think that this loss and losses like this and the Titans' loss should devastate. Vikings fans who have to realize, even if the team does not, that we are, just to put it as simple as possible, not dealing with an open window season in 2020.
1: I think the question becomes, how open can the window be in 2021, and what are the things that need to happen for the window to start opening again in a, 2021? And by
2: the way, that is a great discussion.
1: Yes, and and we will continue to have, I mean, that that is the discussion from now until January at this point, right? I mean, it's... I, they could beat the Falcons. And, and, and Now, I think they would have a better chance of beating the Falcons next week if they hadn't fired Dan Quinn yet. But now that they fired a coach and all the players are going to feel guilty for a week, um, yeah. the Falcons might put up a fight. I still think the Vikings probably win that game against the Falcons. But then they get Aaron Rodgers, and they've got Tom Brady the second half of the schedule. But we'll we'll unpack all of that over the next several months. Let's just go back specifically to yesterday's game, gentlemen. Now on Mecky and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can tell you. The pie chart of blame.
0: You want to blame somebody? Yeah!
1: The Rock knows how you feel about pie. It's our weekly pie chart. We've only had one pie chart of praise last week. And now we go back
2: to the pie chart of blame. Mm.
1: Judd, you do the honors. How are you carving up your Vikings pie chart of blame?
2: I, I believe I surprised the masses last week by having a very small pie chart, which for me is rare. For you, Phil, is the ordinary thing, but I ordinarily have a bigger pie chart of blame and or praise, and I think I kept it pretty condensed last week in our first pie chart of uh, praise. Pie chart of blame, I'm going back six parts. Wow. Ooh, six parts. Wow. I'm, I'm going six, six I'm going six The Rock parts. knows how you feel about pie. I'm going to start from the bottom and, and attempt to work my way up here in a pie chart that I assembled at approximately 2.45 in the morning, so if there's <laughs> some discrepancies, please forgive me.
1: We're all kind of dragging yeah, we here today.
2: Are. Yeah. 5% of my pie chart of blame, Alexander Madison. I give him a very small piece, but I love that fourth and inches, go back and watch it again and again and again, and there, there's an instinctual opening there in which you could basically just fall down going forward, and it's a first down. It's
1: actually pretty amazing, even the hole that he did choose, how he still didn't get the first down.
2: But here we are. Yeah, he sort of ran into it's sort of like he saw traffic and said, I'm gonna get in traffic. It's like, but dude, you're hold on a second here. If you just take the exit here, you've got free sailing. And he's like, No, no, no. I enjoy being stuck in rush hour. Five percent. <laughs> young Alexander Madison, who undoubtedly hopefully will learn. Ten percent. This is very low, but it's not your fault, kid. It's the guy that signed you. Drew Samia. Four penalties, three accepted. It's a train wreck. Um, There are some guys playing who probably shouldn't be, but you see them playing and you're like, he's developing. You know what? I I can see that. Yeah, you know what? Not a great idea to play him now, but I get where it's going, right? And then there's poor Drew. I don't understand. What are you doing to him? So 10% to him. 10% the blame, also slash some praise. Russell Wilson. I got to give him some credit here. Like, he gets the ball with what? one fifty-five left or something like that? Yeah. And here, okay, so here's the sick thing. He got the ball, and my thought was, I can't wait to see this. Like, because it might not end well for the Seahawks, but you knew that it would end close to the end zone, right? Like, there was never a thought of, oh, they're screwed now. They can't score. So 10% just goes to a quarterback who I absolutely love and deserves praise and respect at every turn. 20% the head coach, Zim. Zim's got to take it because his defense allowed that drive. His defense, I actually thought, played pretty well at times. And I think there's differing views on how the defense played. But against that quarterback, to have that first half is impressive. Um, but he's still the coach. The construction of the roster, at least partially, partially, and we'll get to this one, falls on him. Uh, so th- there were enough decisions made where, you know, they lost. He's got to take some blame. But I certainly don't dump on him completely. So sure. no. just a 20% piece of pie for Zim. Okay. 30%, and I'm going to continue to go to this well in 2020 after games like this where where uh, certain positions just can't play. Rick Spielman, 30%. This is your roster. And the fact is the fact is your starting right guard in elf line was bad and the guy behind him is unplayable and yet they have to play. And and you know, where's the thought process a week ago or so of saying can Dakota Dozier play right guard and can Ezra Cleveland who I drafted in, I believe the second round slide in and play left guard I mean he is a left tackle but it's left guard it's still the left side Rick Spielman 30 percent like some of this is uh, offensive line wise I'm sorry but for lack of a better term you guys it's just gross to watch yeah all right oh I'm sorry I, I missed one smaller piece but this gets us to 100%, but it's not much smaller. It's the guy that I'm not going to let off the hook this week again. Some people will. It's Kirk Cousins. The mo- Go back and understand this about that game. Pick up the box score or the play-by-play. And everyone, and rightfully so because it's fun, everyone's going to talk about what? Zimmer's decision to go for it on fourth down, right? Yep. They didn't make it. Seattle gets the ball. Oh, my God. Seattle drives down, and you made a mistake, which I don't think you did. But anyway, that's not what lost the game. It is the one-minute and was it 35-second span in the third quarter mm-hmm. in which you surrendered 21 points. And now the Cousins apologists are like, well, that's not Kirk. That's not on Kirk. That's not – okay. It's, ne- it's never
1: on Kirk. It's never on it's Kirk. It's never on Kirk. As long as an offensive lineman did one thing bad, yeah. it's never on Kirk. The
2: interception that, that he ball. threw that resulted in the Carson touchdown run is all on Kirk. And furthermore, I will, I'm will i going to tell you this. Before you bring me the film and say, you don't understand, here's what happened on this play. I've watched the L-22 74 times and drank 18 cups of coffee. You don't get it. <laughs> here's what's on Kirk, folks. The mental makeup of that meltdown it is incumbent on your quarterback who is eating up a huge portion of your salary cap after you give up 14 points so you're down 14 13 to calm the situation and put together the drive that he put together on the next drive and final thing why was he able to do it on the next drive because in Kirk's weird little mind I, I, you're sorry the pressure the <laughs> pressure had been relieved by going down twenty-one thirteen. at fourteen thirteen, it's a fire drill and all hell is breaking loose and i need a veteran leader calm guy a guy who as phil played at the start of this show is telling me what's what in my locker room who has the audacity to tell me how my locker room operates he is literally and listen to me closely because there's no other way to put this peeing his pants he is peeing his pants and he has no ability to stop anything so you want to tell me that's my captain that's my leader he's going to tell me what my locker room is about no so take your all 22 and shove it i don't want to see it what i want you to understand is the mentality of doing what he did one pass picked off touchdown that that is Kirk Cousins in a nutshell. So take your film and put it where the sun don't shine. I'm tired of it.
1: I want to dig deeper on this with you for a second because you've, I think you're the first one, like we've all sort of sensed since sometime mid-season in Kirk's first year is like, all right, like, yeah, he's he's got the ability to put up big numbers and he's got a big arm and he's pretty accurate for the most part. And when, when you give him time to throw and you're playing a bad opponent at noon on a Sunday, like he looks amazing sometimes, right? but it's been hard to pinpoint other than just like he chokes in primetime which isn't always the case like sometimes he goes toe to toe with the rams in primetime on a thursday night right sometimes he he daggers the saints in a playoff game so it's not as simple as just saying like he's worthless in primetime it's a little more complicated and i think you've that's the best i've heard anyone articulate the problem with Kirk cousins and 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 sort of the predictability of when he's on and when he's off and it's that subtle moment where the pressure goes from this is a tight game to, oh, now no one really expect now like the game is sort of out of hand because now you're down by, you, you, they've scored 21 unanswered and now like the train's off the tracks. And in those situations, when it seems like the train is off the tracks, he's calm again. Yes. And I think you're 100% right. That's him. It's like the difference between 14 to 13 or 13 to 7 when you're up still and when you're down 21 to 13, it's like, oh, now, okay, now I can just, now I can just drop back and throw it because the game's
2: out of hand, right? Kirk, Kirk Cousins is absolutely fine after he takes the fall. He can dust himself off like nobody I've seen. Well, well, it, I, I, I don't know if I go that far. Wait, wait. <laughs> the only problem? No, I'm serious. The problem is, given the opportunity to stop the fall, he has no idea how to do it. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, I, it's I,
2: it's spot on. Like it's like Kirk, don't fall, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, now I've fallen. Oh, hey, Adam, let's go play ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not. The Rock knows yeah. how you feel it, about pie. It's a mentality, like it's a psychological. It's a psychological hangup that he has. Yeah. All right. So give us a summary of your oh, pie chart. Hold on a here. second here. I'm sorry about that. All right. Um, I, I went five uh, percent to Alexander Madison. I went ten uh, percent to Russell Wilson and Drew Samia. Uh, 20% to Zim, 25% to Cousins, and 30% to the architect of an offensive line. That is uh, Rick Spielman.
1: All right. I've got five pieces of pie, which is a lot for me. Whoa! Five pieces of pie here, okay? I've got—we'll just start here. 10% Drew Samia. He is without hyperbole. Well— I think it's fair. Just stick with me here. You got it. He's right. He is, without hyperbole, the worst regular-slash-starting offensive lineman in the NFL. The pro football focus grade had him as the worst going into this game. Like, he was the worst-graded offensive lineman going into a game in which he had four penalties and got trucked a number of times off the line of scrimmage. The Vikings have had some pretty bad offensive linemen in the last 10 years or so. I guess 2012 was the last time that I felt really good about the Vikings' offensive line, especially as run blockers and road graders so over that eight-year period, we've seen some TJ Clemmings, we've seen Pat Elfline. like we've seen some bad offensive linemen. Uh-huh. He's the worst we've seen in eight to ten years. He is six foot five, three hundred ten pounds, and gets pushed around like he's skinny arms Rob Lowe from those whatever commercials. We're trying to open the jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> like, dude, you're six five 310. How are you getting shoved back seven yards off the line of scrimmage every time there's a pass? So ten percent to Drew Samia. To Declan's question, that's it? I'm also giving 10% to the right side of the offensive line and Alexander Madison. So Samia, uh, Brian O'Neill, and Alexander Madison on the fourth and inches, which was the absolute right call by the Vikings. To end the game right there, you were moving the ball down the field. You would run for 200 yards at that point and five or six yards per carry. You just need to lean forward one more time. And you know what? Drew Samia had... A, A couple nice run blocks that they highlighted on uh, on Chris Collinsworth was trying to praise him because he felt bad at the end of the game. But you guys, how do you, on Madison's part, if you watch that, and we watched it a bunch of times on Ventline last night, you can go back and watch Ventline on the Purple Daily uh, Podcast YouTube channel. Alex Madison just has to either fall further ahead in the gap that he's going into or just literally go to the right where there's a wide open space. For you to maybe even score a touchdown, but for sure to gain a couple yards. And then again, like Brian O'Neal and Drew Samia, like if it's on you guys, I think some of it's on Madison, but if it's on you guys, you just need one extra push and the game is over and they couldn't get it done. The the trio of those guys couldn't get it done, so 10% to them. I feel a little bad about this because I think overall the game plan was pretty excellent, especially the first half. I am going to give 10% to Mike Zimmer in big games. They did lose the game. Yeah. They do have a pattern of beating the teams they're mostly supposed to beat. But then whether it's some of these big road playoff games against the Eagles and the Niners where they just got ran out of the stadium or uh, the Seattle games going back to the Blair Walsh Miss Packers and Bears games on the road like there's just a late game. I don't know if it's a meltdown factor or it's like it's kind of woven into the Vikings DNA under Mike Zimmer that they don't win games like this because he sort of panics
2: but but overall he was really really good game planning and scheming last oh, night. Oh, he was great. No, but I'm I'm saying that there are, I think you can identify in big Vikings games for the most part, I think you can go back and identify actual moments in which he's it's clear that there is a reason why he is melting down and I think when you do that your team sort of follows suit
1: yeah and I just don't I don't there there doesn't seem to be a great chemistry between him and Kirk Cousins in these moments where it's like all right the game is sort of shifting and you need the two most important figures in that stadium for you your head coach and your quarterback just sort of get together and figure it out and they don't seem like they get together and figure it out like, when you watch the Packers, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers get together and figure it out. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick get together and figure it out. Now I'm listing Hall of Famers now. But, like, those guys just—it it almost seems like Mike Zimmer doesn't want to deal with— it. Kirk, if you're going through problems, talk to Gary. Talk to somebody else. Yes. Talk to Stefanski yeah, cause last year,
2: right? because yeah, it, it's all about one thing. I'm running my defense, Kirk. And,
1: and he did it very well for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm giving 20% to Russell Wilson just being a cheat code. I think there's a certain Russell Wilson factor that you're just not going to overcome— And the Vikings did as good of a job in this game and in the Blair Walsh missed field goal game, the two close uh, Seattle losses um, that that Mike Zimmer has coached. I think there's just a certain part of him, though, that is not going to be denied if you give him a chance late in the game like that. So I agree with the fourth and one decision. I get that if you kick a field goal in that spot, you're up by eight and you can't lose in regulation. But it's not about can't lose. It's about win. Right. And going forward on fourth and inches is the win. Yes. So um, I was good with it, and Russell Wilson's just ridiculous. He's he's one of the best quarterbacks of our generation. And that leaves one last piece of pie. And a lot of people might disagree with 50% of the pie going to this. But 50% of my pie chart of blame is Kirk Cousins just flat not being good enough. He stripped twice because he can't feel pressure. He throws a terrible game-changing interception. And I get that he brought the Vikings back down and Judd, you know, Brilliant point about like the pressure's off, and now I can sort of freewheel. But I just think we need to raise the bar for what we expect from our quarterbacks in this state. Like, we, we're I don't know why we're so protective. If you want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl, how do you watch that game last night and defend Kirk Cousins as the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings? How do you watch football on Sunday on Red Zone Channel? And watch what some of these guys are doing on a regular basis. How do you watch what Josh Allen's doing and sit there and defend Kirk Cousins like he's not garbage? He's not a backup. He's a starting caliber quarterback, but he is not good enough to lead this team to a Super Bowl. And last night, the both teams had flaws. Last night, both teams had injuries. Last night, and ultimately, one guy steps up in the second half, and the other guy melts down. Like it's a fact.
2: I feel raise like, the bar. I feel like fewer. Vikings fans do tolerate it. I feel like a year or two back, a lot more did. Um, But the realization with Kirk is very, very simple. He is good enough to get you to the playoffs. And there it will end. And so it's not going to to change. And so, I don't know. Are Vikings fans so desperate to keep getting to the playoffs and maybe the Super Bowl that they don't care if they would lose? Because the, the problem, too, is you're building... It feels like from... A twenty twenty standpoint. You're building a lot of things with, with this team that look to be down the road positive and and look to set you up to be in a position here pretty shortly to pop, but you still got the quarterback. And so that to me is is the that's the most daunting thing because until that guy's not your quarterback, you don't have the chance to truly, truly pop. And then the really daunting part is finding the right one.
1: The rock knows how you feel about pie. And I don't even think like it's it is daunting to find the right one, but I think if you sort of free yourself from that and just like listen, evaluate, do your homework. Yeah. There's it's not a guarantee that you're in in the fans like everyone has to be okay with whenever they move on from Kirk and they go try to draft the next guy. It is sort of an inexact science. And and there's always guys like Lamar Jackson that fall to the bottom of the first round or Russell Wilson falls to the third round or Tom Brady like and, and just because you draft Justin Fields, number two overall, doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to be great. Look at Sam Darnold. Like, that guy's going to be a backup probably in two years. And some of it's bad infrastructure with the Jets. But I think if we sort of take a step back and say, you know what, the only way to find a great actual needle-moving franchise quarterback is to try.
2: Yes. <laughs> and Well, and and number one, it's to try. And number two, it's then to morph in your franchise, whatever has to be morphed into making him comfortable and him succeeding. So, what, so what, the one thing you cannot do, and it's been proven, you cannot draft a quarterback now and basically say, and here's how we play. You draft him and say, I've been watching you in college, and we're about to change our entire offense because of you. The knows how you feel about pie.
1: So 10% Drew Samia, 10% right side of the offensive line and Alex Madison for not finding a way to get one yard and ending the game. 10% Mike Zimmer in general in big games. 20% Russell Wilson is a cheat code, and 50% Kirk Cousins is not good enough to win games like that. Declan, what's your pie chart? The
3: Rock
2: knows how you feel
3: about pie. As uh, we finished Bentline last night and as I was trying to go to bed and then even driving to work this morning and doing pre-production work this morning, I was honestly having a pretty difficult time putting together this pie chart. I mean, you look at the execution they made in the first half. I don't really look at Kirk Cousins, and I can't really put a whole lot of blame on him. So, at first, I was just going to give one piece of pie to one certain thing from this game. But I didn't. I backed off. I have two other things. Oh, you were gonna go with the one. I was gonna go one piece of pie, but I don't I wanna, think it's. I want to know
1: what that. It, like, can you give us both? Give us both versions of your pie the, chart. What's, okay. the,
3: what's the whole pie? The whole pie is Vikings fans. One hundred percent is Vikings fans. What? The fraud, and not all of them. The frauds that wanted them to kick the field goal. I'm sick of that. I, how many times do we want to see a, a, a team have the cojones to go for it on fourth down? You're one and three. Your season's on the brink of, of disaster. Right? You're in Seattle. You yeah, can man. pull off a rare win. Go for the fourth and down and go for the kill shot. Amen. Why in any circumstance would you want to put the ball back in the best quarterback's hands? Why would you want to do that? You're playing to lose. Then you're going to go into overtime and you're for sure going to win it there. No. kick the ball out of his hands.
1: I love it. I think that's what your pie chart should be. Because I agree with you. It's And plus, it's so easy to sit there in retrospect and be like, well, if you would have done this. No, no, no. Those decisions, you have you have to make a decision in the moment what you think of it. And in the moment, the right decision was to try to end the game. If it was fourth and four, and they're like, or if it was, I would even say this: if they were up by six, and a field goal gets it to nine, yeah, that's kick a field goal, different, yes. But if it gets it to eight, I know that well. They still have to do the two point conversion and whatnot. I would rather just take my shot at ending the game in that spot. And you're so.
2: and you in the in this game. Keep in mind, you're going against what looks to be one of the worst defenses that the Seahawks have ever had and it's awful. They can't stop anything. Yeah, the Vikes like, had 450 yeah, yards of offense. So so <laughs> think about that. Think about if you're Zim and at that point in time after going for it uh, twice in the first half on 4th and 1. Think about if your message then is I don't think we can make yeah. this. Like the fact that they didn't make it is a miracle.
1: Yeah, here's the other thing, okay? When it when it comes down to it, there's so many things we're, we're parsing all these things apart, okay? When it comes down to it, when you're trying to figure out how good of a job did your coach do and how good of a job did your starting quarterback do, when your team racks up 450 yards of offense and your team holds a high-powered offense and Hall of Fame quarterback scoreless in the first half, and even when that team comes back to life in the second half, they still only wind up like Russell Wilson still only averaged like six and a half yards per attempt. He threw a bad interception like... If you would don't tell me what the score is just lay out the game flow as I just explained it. And then at the end I tell you and they still lost. Aren't you wondering how like how does a coach and a starting quarterback not win a game in which they're up two touchdowns you know what's funny? on a scoreless Seattle team? You know what's funny? Those are the leaders of this
2: team. If you gave me that. If you had come in here on Friday with the script. That script exactly. I think I would have gotten it. I think I, I would have said I can't tell you exactly what, but there was a period where Kirk melted down. I think I would have gotten it because if you take away the stupid pick, the Vikings win that game.
0: Hey, you held him to twenty points, man. You gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? Think about it. If
2: that, you had that, gone, that
1: was actual audio from right before the two-minute warning at the fourth quarter last night. If okay. you
2: if you had given me that script, I would have said. Kirk melted down. It didn't last long. But the one thing is th- think about if you substitute Just a it. passing shower. Yeah, exactly. A passing In Seattle. But if you think about this part and that is imagine instead of throwing the pick, his that drive is the drive that came after that which was the short touchdown pass by Cousins, right? You win that game. Yep. No problem. Yeah, Tough win. I, did you want to add
3: on? I think that's a beautiful pie chart. I think that's it. I mean, I can give you the second one, the the, yeah. the, the real one sure. before the 100% one before sure. I, was, I was doubting myself. So, Rich, <laughs> so, so the other one would have been 5% to Jeff Gladney simply on the 4th and 10 play that he messed up with DK Metcalf. And yeah. I know I warned on our 3Cs on our episode on Friday that I was scared whoever's lining up against DK Metcalf because the guy's a freak in nature. He had a big game. It's 4th and 10. You have stopped them three times yeah. in a row and you just allow a 40-yard bomb down the field and like Is that all on Gladney? No, because DK Metcalf's a freak, and Russell Wilson's really good at what he does. But I do have to put a little bit of blame on that, because you stop him there, the game's over.
1: Think about like the 4th and 10, just that absolute perfect catch and throw, and then on the last play of the game, there wasn't that much daylight. Anthony Harris had great coverage on that play, and it took a perfect throw to an outstretched, full-speed running DK Metcalf. Yeah. And I don't know, Like I agree with you, the Gladney thing, he got torched a little bit, and... I'm sure it was no coincidence that Russell Wilson looked over at a beast wide receiver on a rookie <laughs> and it was like, all right, we'll do this 40 yards down that the field. That was such a
2: great play, by the
1: way. Yep.
3: And then I did have Juice of Me at 60%. <laughs> <for this game. laughs> the Rock I'm knows how you feel awful, about Awful, dude. Oh, dude. my God. It's
2: not, <laughs> it's not his fault, man. The Vikings' fault. They it's keep playing him. And, Dude, and, and, oh
3: my God. and then the thirty five percent was the second for the for the Vikings fan in my second pie chart. So it was gonna go thirty five percent Vikings fans, sixty <laughs> percent Drew Samia, five percent Jeff Gladney, but I'm admitting that and it's hundred percent on the on the fraudulent Vikings fans who wanted to kick a field goal. Amazing.
1: That loss. The Rock you. knows how you feel about pie. Those are the pie charts of blame for a one point Vikings loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Let's 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 roll into some positivity here. Okay, let's roll into our silver lining. Let's take one lap around the room. When they lose, we do a pie chart of blame and silver linings. When they win, we do a pie chart of praise and nitpick. So let's just do a quick lap around the room. Judd Zolgad, your Vikings silver lining from yesterday.
2: Oh, this is so simple. Eric Wilson at linebacker last night. He's been around for a while, so he's not new to the team by any. Any means, and, and I believe he actually took over when Ben Gideon started to suffer concussions last year. Eric Wilson stepped in as the third linebacker there. But he is now the second. It's Kendricks, Wilson, Bar obviously is hurt and out for the rest of the year. And Eric Wilson last night was absolutely fantastic. Eric Wilson was, you know what he was? I know it's going to shock you guys. He was everything that we had been asking Anthony to bar to be for like the last year plus.
1: For about one twentieth of the salary. Yeah, dude. he did all
2: of those. He did all of those things. He yeah. he made what they like to call splash plays.
1: He even got torched on a play just like Anthony Barr. And that's okay
2: because right. then he came back and made some great plays. But anyway, um, his emergence in last night's game, which did not look like a fluke. That pick was a really, really nice play and a smart play. Uh, that to me... Easily the highlight, because that's the type of performance that can be built upon. uh, I believe Anthony Barr might not be back next season now. I think there's every reason to move on and to give Eric Wilson that job. You basically uh, played two guys at that position the majority of the time. So my bright spot is not hard to pick. It's Eric Wilson. Man, don't you guys sort of wish you could could take the Vikings
1: scouting department and Rick Spielman and just channel how great they are at finding safeties and linebackers, undrafted guys, and, like, even the higher draft picks become Hall of Famers like Harrison Smith. They're great at linebackers and safeties, and Mike Zimmer's great at molding linebackers and safeties. And when it comes to a right guard or a starting center, like, Bradbury's been better this year, but... Just like it's just a grind to find average guys along the offensive line. I'd rather I'd rather just like sort of sacrifice. I'll I'll take my chances at the linebacker position. So you'll just and put, <laughs> and, and I'd rather you just be great at evaluating and developing offensive linemen. But yeah, I'm with you, Eric Wilson. That was a hell of a game by that kid. Yep he uh, he was in every category. Declan, what's your silver lining? Herb Smith's finally alive. That's good. I mean, for God's
3: sakes, he's been a ghost for the first four weeks, and he only had five targets yesterday for four catches, sixty-four yards. It's not a world-beating performance, but it's a start. You could you could tell they made a conscious effort to get him the football early on and throughout that game. And I think he's someone that has to be dynamic and, and a big part of this offense going forward, especially for looking back and or looking forward, excuse me, to twenty twenty-one and and figuring out if the Vikings are in a championship window, you need someone like Herb Smith, who's twenty-two years old, most likely replacing Kyle Rudolph, probably as soon as next year. To have big moments, and also you need an offense that game plans towards him. So I was excited that yeah. at least Herb Smith got some targets yesterday.
1: How did you guys feel when the Vikings got the ball back, down by one? They had one timeout, I think, in fifteen seconds to get like thirty-five yards into field goal range. And the first, so you basically have two plays, right? Maybe three. And the first play, and you have to gain chunks of yards. And the first play was just a little dump off pass for eight yards to Kyle Rudolph. I was like, "Come on, classic, dude." That's <laughs> <a> classic, <laughs> and I love Kyle. But, I mean, I don't
2: know if he needs to be on the field in that spot. That's not the point, though. Drive the ball down the damn field. I'm with you.
1: I would say my silver lining in this one is just, in general, going into this game, the Vikings were knocking on the door of being a top-five offense. Yards per play, PFF, they were like the seventh-best offense pro football focus going into this game. And I'm not sure they did anything to, to sort of negate that trend. I think... They moved the ball four hundred and fifty yards. They average, you know, they ran for two hundred yards, five yards of carry, and if not for just some boneheaded turnovers and and the, the interception by Kirk Cousins. By the way, they had nine different guys catch a pass. I'm sorry, eight different guys catch a pass, nine different guys targeted. So they're they're spreading it around. He found Adam Thielen nine times. Maybe too much. It's a really good offense. I'd like to see a little bit more Justin Jefferson yeah. and like a little bit more than five targets yep. to one of the best young receivers in the NFL. I'm with you on that. So I guess that's a nitpick. But overall, this offense is really good, and more often than not, they're going to score 27 or 30 points and just make life pretty easy on the defense, unless Russell Wilson has the ball with two minutes
2: left. Mm. So that's my support. How about mind. just get that fourth down? I'm sorry, that's an, that's also a, nit- a nitpick. It's true though. Just fall forward. It's an inch. What's up with forward? like? The inches. Vikings, when the Vikings
1: have big running games, and then the Gopher football team has big running games, in the Glenn Mason era, there is this like inability to get the one yard you need after running it down someone's throat for three <laughs> it's hours. Called
2: Minnesota sports,
1: yeah. God, sports god. So, all right, that's uh, a <laughs> silver linings.
0: Not really close. Uh, I knew if we got the, it was about a half a yard. If we got the half a yard, we win the game. So I was trying to win it. I told him, I told him in the headset you know, we didn't come here for this, let's let's go win it. Yeah, I mean, if, if we get it, you know, then it's it's uh, obviously, you know, could close out the game. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and and, uh, you know, we don't have the benefit of that. We're making tough decisions. So um, we had run for, you know, roughly 200 yards and needed an inch, and, um, you know, we weren't able to get it. All right,
1: Kirk, Kirk and Mike Zimmer just reflecting and talking about the decision to, to go for it on fourth and one. So a um, couple quick plugs, and then we'll get into the things that we learned about the rest of the NFL on Sunday. If you missed an hour and 40-minute Vikings vent line session where we brought Vikings fans into the video, at one point, Chansey and Fargo started a literal dumpster fire on the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was symbolic. <laughs> you can check that out on YouTube if you want the video version, youtube.com slash purple daily podcast, or subscribe to the podcast itself on Apple, Spotify, and the all-new ScoreNorth.com. All right, let's get into the things we learned on NFL Sunday, gentlemen. Kind of an action-packed set of games and injuries. We'll start with Judd Zolgad here. Let's, let's fire up some more appropriate music here, Dex.
2: First of all, what a red zone day yesterday. I mean, just, it was like s- football smack. It was unbelievable. Seven hours, me, the dog, Scott Hansen. Nothing to bother us. Unbelievable. All right, uh, I have a two-page list of things I learned, but I want to get to one thing from the late game because it's disturbing and it's also something I never need to see again in my life, things I've learned. When you have what appears to be a football player whose leg or ankle is turned sideways Mm -hmm. and you're a camera crew, or more accurately, probably the producer of said telecast, can you get off the shot as soon as possible? What do you mean? Because, it's their job to document
1: what's happening. I agree with that, but the thing how it was, lands with you is not their fault.
2: But but they but when Dak Prescott got hurt and they showed his leg and poor. Poor Romo goes, I think it might be a cramp, Jim. <laughs> I think it might be a cramp. I think he might be cramping, Jim. Oh, it's a little, he's a little dehydrated. And oh, his, Jim, he's going to need a little water break. Oh, Jim, water break. And oh, his oh, ankle oh, oh, oh. is turned sideways. And I'm like, okay, I've seen enough now. I've seen enough. I, I don't need to see more of this. And we see him grabbing his ankle, and it looked like he tried to straighten it out. And it was just so sad and so, oh, so gross. Um, but, no, that is on, on a day that Alex Smith came back. In Washington, which is a great story. Like, I mean, it's an unbelievable story. On that day for Dak Prescott to suffer what hopefully and does not look to be as bad, but it's still a gruesome injury it's just i didn't really need to see it that long and then they kept showing it they finally stopped but they would show him going down and when he went down you could see it the leg so twisting and it's just so they blurred it on sports center this morning okay good for them yeah. good for them but i never need to see a man's leg or ankle sideways for as long as i live did
1: you guys so i was actually watching the cbs feed of the game when that happened and yeah. then like the few minutes afterwards So they came back probably five or ten minutes later from commercial break. And I'm throwing her under the bus. She's ordinarily an amazing sideline reporter. But they go down to Tracy Wolfson on the sideline for more on Dak Prescott's injury. Guys, I can confirm it is indeed a right ankle injury for Dak Prescott.
2: And he will not return today. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Or maybe ever. <laughs> and I saw his I confirm. saw his ankle turn sideways. I don't need for you to confirm what I saw with my own two, not, two we're, eyes. We're going right. to
1: confirm that it is a right ankle injury. It's like it's literally there's a bone sticking out of his And sock. it was.
2: That's the worst part. It was a compound fracture. A bone came out. Thank, yes. God, you, thank God we couldn't see it. But they announced it was a compound fracture. Oh. So a bone actually did rupture <laughs> through the skin.
1: Declan's
2: fine. I just don't. I, I don't. I just don't. Okay. I they just. Saw, I love to watch football, but I, I don't. Need I to had see it.
3: a drink in hand, and I almost threw it when they showed the replay. And you just. <laughs> oh, saw I don't it blame you. I, I don't do well with that. There's a reason I'm in this industry and not in another one. I can't. I can't see it. What, I can't
1: do it. What's the injury that had you guys the most squeamish when you were watching it? There's two two that come to mind. Well, the me.
2: Theisman one was beyond. Gross. See, that was a
1: little bit before our time. I mean, I've seen the replay of that. Yeah, I mean, not, like, as bad. you're watching it, where you're like, oh, my God oh, oh, my, God, oh the, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God.
2: The Louisville basketball player
1: who Kevin had Weir. a compound fracture, his, his, the
2: bone came through his leg.
1: Dude, and, and that wasn't just, like, the ankle bone. That was his femur, That it? was, like, his femur yeah. was sticking out of his leg, and he yeah. was, like, bleeding on the sideline. Was it yes. Willis McGahee from yeah. Miami Yeah,
3: in college that, like, he yes. turned, but his leg didn't turn? Yes. It That was also a really God. bad one, too. So. I...
2: This moment Good. brought to you by football. <laughs> Some orthopedic place, I don't know who. All
1: right, uh, let's keep going around here. Declan, things you learned on NFL Sunday. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: It it was an eventful NFL Sunday. I will give you that. Obviously. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, obviously, I, I have a few takeaways. I still uh, i am waiting for my guy, Jalen Hurts, to get the starting role. Because he. They, Doug Peterson keeps doing this classic Doug Peterson thing where he's getting him involved in the Wildcat. And then he came in to, like, throw a pass when they were in the red zone yesterday. And I have no idea. How Phil, like, I I would love some Philly sports talk radio talks. I got to imagine they're coming after Carson Wentz like none other right now. Yeah, I, need to know what, a I need to know what
1: Angelo Cataldi is saying.
3: Let's yes. find Kennedy. it. Right now.
2: Let's find it. Let's play it.
3: God. Um, but I, I would I would love to see him get a chance. Because like we were talking about that on Ventline Line last night. Like At least if you're the Eagles, like you drafted a Heisman candidate. You have something in the wings if Carson Wentz really doesn't work. So you could turn to him eventually – I would love to see Jalen Hurts get some more time in because the, the Eagles it's, it's fun watching the Eagles be a disaster. I will get, I will I will say that it's kind of fun watching them implode on themselves, but I would like to see the rookie quarterback
1: get some time. You know what, like how did that team win a freaking Super Bowl a couple know. years ago? I don't know. Nick Foles, baby. I don't know. Nick
2: Foles.
0: Super weird. Was great. Carson Wentz Fair was great and then, else. but
1: now he's terrible apparently. It's <laughs> <laughs> just an odd. What like, I, I don't know how you I understand how you go from Super Bowl contender to like taking a step back, but like this is beyond taking a step back. They yeah. Just and is like Carson
2: Wentz bad or not? Like I can't. I think figure it out. I think, I think he's, he's bad. bad.
1: I think he's bad. Something's <laughs> off. Like it's he's talented, but there's clearly a disconnect there somewhere. Yeah. Something's bad. Football. I learned that Kevin Stefanski is a really good NFL head coach. Another victory over the uh, the Colts were 3-1 and one going in. Now they're 3-2. and two. The Browns are 4-1 and one for the first time since Bill Belichick coached the team in the mid-1990s. And they're doing it basically with a crutch game manager quarterback. Baker Mayfield is not playing all that well. And they're still putting up ridiculous yards. They're scheming the run game. They won that game by nine points yesterday. And... I, I still don't buy them as, like, legit contenders in the AFC because I just don't think Baker Mayfield's good enough, but Kevin Stefanski deserves some real credit for what they've put together in Cleveland and the way they've got that offensive line going, and it just makes you, I know there was some discussion here last year, January, February, some Mike Zimmer trade rumors to Dallas. There were people Stefanski and, here yeah, do you in em- that building. Do you empower Kevin Stefanski to be the head coach? And they decided, no, Mike Zimmer's the guy, Gary Kubiak's going to step in, and If you would have offered Kevin Stefanski that head coaching job, there's no way he goes to Cleveland over Minnesota. But they would have had to fire Mike Zimmer. Yep. Now, if there was, like, a not uncomfortable way to have put Kevin Stefanski in charge of the whole operation and made Mike Zimmer a highly paid defensive coordinator, that would have been great. Nope. But good luck having that conversation with Mike.
2: Football. I learned that a guy by the name of Chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) is really good at football Four touchdowns. Uh, He was fantastic. This is okay. So this goes back to, again, a very important thing about this sport in particular, right? There are certain positions at which guys, if given an opportunity can and will break out and become stars or really good, you know, Chase Claypool, I don't think is, is a guy who, when he was taken by the Steelers, we expected to become a household name. But in watching his game and pair him with a good quarterback, guess what he becomes? A really good, effective player. So it's so funny how how we get stuck on these threads of well, Antonio Brown is gone, uh, Roethlisberger screwed. I mean, it's just not going to work now, right? Mm-hmm. And then a guy comes along and replaces him and does a really good, good job. I just I think that there's certain positions in football, wide receiver is one linebacker can be one where you can find really talented really good players who who can go late in the draft or sometimes not even be drafted and if you cultivate them right and plug them in they can become pretty damn good really quickly
1: yeah also notre dame just pumps out nfl wide receivers and like once every three or four years, there's just a guy that comes in, Golden Tate. You know, you know. Jeff, actually, Jeff Samarja would probably have been this too if he wasn't also a pro baseball player. Um, Chase Claypool, I think, ranks very high among names that sound like they would be ballers characters on HBO. It's like it's just <laughs> yeah. like a well-crafted, created football name. Wide receiver, it is good. Name too. Yeah, Claypool. Chase Claypool. You're right. It's Going perfect. down the field. Football. I love it. Uh, Dex.
3: I think I learned that Derek Carr is pretty good. I, I I've been pretty suspect on him. I would I would even loop him into like the same Kirk Cousins discussion where like, all right, if the infrastructure around him is really good and everything goes right, this guy can be a pretty successful quarterback. He went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. And in fact, he outplayed he did. Patrick Mahomes yesterday. And I know we gave a lot of crap to John Gruden when he first took over. He trades Khalil Macky. Hires Mike Mayock as his, his GM, who's just a bigger buffoon than he is. But the Raiders might be onto something here. They're three and two, and they gave the Kansas City Chiefs a rare home loss. Derek Carr looked great. Maybe the Raiders aren't a complete dumpster fire anymore. Maybe they're turning in the right direction.
1: Yeah, that was just an amazing game by John Gruden and, and Derek Carr. I can't decide if Kansas City is sort of taking a step back and if the league is just catching up to them in some ways or if they are just a little bit hungover and bored by winning a Super Bowl and then they're going to just turn it on in November and December. But that game validates Declan and I's decision during the pigskin pecking order last week to put the Green Bay Packers number one above the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that was a, it just felt like the Chiefs were playing with fire a little bit and ready to lose That was the a game. fun game, too. Yep. yep. That was it's a really a fun total game. Total shootout. Football. Yeah. All right. I learned that Teddy Bridgewater continues to be the one that got away for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I get that Atlanta was on the verge of firing a coach, and Teddy just gave the uh, the extra nudge into not only firing a coach, but firing the general manager and blowing everything up yesterday. But Teddy, 73% completions, 313 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and on the season, five games for Ted, 73% completions, six Teddy. touchdowns, He's, uh, he's just sort of the best version that we thought he could be mm-hmm. a few years ago. He's also averaging almost 300 yards through the air, has a traditional passer rating of 101.3. So all of the numbers are sort of what you would expect Teddy Bridgewater to have morphed into, and he's doing it in a Panthers uniform instead of a Vikings uniform.
3: And it's classic Teddy for a team that started 0-2, got off, got off a little slow start, they lose Christian McCaffrey, and I believe it, I, I, believe it, I was reading in The Athletic, their team reporter said, it was Bridgewater that gathered the troops after they lost McCaffrey and, and asked, do we want to win? Like, what do we want to do here? Like, he basically galvanized the locker room. Classic, like, everything we've always heard about Teddy Bridgewater being a leader. Like, is we, he, we, have, we have audio of that, too. Hey, you held
0: him to 20 points, man. You gave us a chance at the end. But I got three words for you. Like that, yeah. So what did he do again?
3: He out. galvanized him. He galvanized him. I'm not familiar His with that. His teammates him. That's not what I want for my.
2: That's not what I want for my quarterback. Oh, well, I, I want my guy to be to shrink. You
3: know, I want Teddy to go back and look at the film, and you know, I want to make sure that he he, he knows and understands the right shrink play in the moment. Right, right that's replay. my
2: yeah. motto when it comes to my quarterback play. <laughs> shrink in the moment.
1: I love Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater career record as a quarterback here. Okay, twenty-five and fourteen. And it's not let's let's not pretend that he has been saddled with like Andy Reid Chiefs infrastructure here or Bill Belichick Patriots infrastructure. Right, Mike Zimmer, decent head coach, also wasn't the most like quarterback friendly coach and system in 2014 15. Yep, and then Carolina without Christian McCaffrey, uh, Carolina was expected to go like three and 13 and just be test driving Teddy Bridgewater. Well, they've already got three wins and we're in the second week of October, so I, I quarterback wins are not. Something that you should hang everything on because you can get tricked pretty easily too. But 25 and 14 is pretty telling. And I think we can sort of validate that with the eye test. He's just not the type of guy that's going to blow up and wreck a game for you.
2: I think we call it intangibles. Hard to quantify, but he's got them. Yes, indeed. All right. He does. Uh, you got one more? Bro? I got one more for you, boys. Okay. I learned two things about two veteran quarterbacks who were playing simultaneously. I learned that Ryan Fitzpatrick, God bless this man with a big beard, can still play and roll up a big game against San Francisco. semicolon, because conversely, I also learned Phillip Rivers is stealing the Colts' money. And if the Indianapolis Colts wow. had gone out and gotten a real QB, they're a really good team. Like, they're a really nice team. They've got one problem, a quarterback. Who has no business still playing well, this game? Aren't they
1: still paying Jacoby Brissett like twenty five million dollars? Well, th- he's still there, right? I think so. Put him in.
2: Like Phillip Rivers yesterday. My God, did you guys see this?
1: I thought it was very windy in Cleveland <laughs> yes. yesterday. Yeah. Okay. How
2: about the how about the safety? What how about the safety when he threw? Oh my! The whole thing. Plus,
1: it, his receivers are garbage. Like T.Y. Hilton. I mean, who's yeah. that guy? Come on, Phillip. Wh- wh- who names their kid T.Y.? Please, Let's Phillip. Out this guy. Please, this, seriously. He has no weapons anywhere.
2: Find a, find a Zoom podium today and announce your retirement. <laughs> Just announce your retirement.
3: The Colts are paying their quarterbacks forty six million dollars <laughs> against the cap right now. Wow, That's hilarious. Forty six. Twenty-five to Philip Rivers, twenty-one to Jacoby Brissett. How bad is Brissett? Possible?
2: Like, how bad if they won't he's start Brissett? Bad. How he's, bad is he? He's fine. He's fine. Well, then Philip Rivers should be benched. I think he should retire.
1: <laughs> you should have retired. It was just one bad game.
2: All right. Oh <laughs> my! Football. Would you quit defending your father? He's a little icy hot on that shoulder. <laughs> a little icy hot. He's the whole thing. You should dump it on his head and see what happens.
1: <laughs> All right. Those are things we learned in the NFL ball, on Sunday. Man. Uh, before we uh, we, we're also going to pump out an episode of Purple Daily for uh, an even deeper dive on the Minnesota Vikings we do Viking statements on Mondays on Purple Daily so check us out there but last night so the NHL Stanley Cup Finals ended a week or two ago uh, and then last night the NBA Finals ended just a total anticlimactic blowout the Lakers are up by 30 points at halftime and the heat just looked like a team that had been shorthanded and scraping and it's tough to ask Jimmy Butler to just do that for like seven games. And they finally hit the wall last night. So LeBron wins his fourth title. And uh, my question to you guys is now that we've seen the two main men's professional leagues, the NHL and the NBA, and of course the WNBA had a bubble too, but now that we've seen a summer and an early fall of bubble sports play out, what was your evaluation? Are you, did the league succeed? Are you glad that they did this? Would you be
2: open to it if needed next year? Thoughts on bubbles? I thought it was absolutely. Talk about bubbles. Fan- <laughs> My feeling on bubbles is this: uh, I thought it was absolutely outstanding both way. I mean, it, there was look, they took what appeared to be a very dire situation. that I, I think mo- most of us at one point in time back in the spring probably agreed that all of these sports wouldn't play, and did a fantastic job. Like they did a great job, and and they they found they found the key, which is the, the way that you can potentially keep the. Uh, Virus out is to isolate your coaches and athletes completely. And they did a, and I thought hockey, great job. Basketball, great job. And look, I know it's not ideal. And I know that, that I'm sure that there's a lot of people who were in those bubbles who couldn't stand it. But it, if you wanted to get through the rest of your year, this was the answer. So I thought, bravo, fantastic. Uh, I'm very curious to see if they have to, if, Both the NBA and hockey have to start their uh, 2020-21 in a bubble or something, because I don't think we're going to be at the point of vaccine yet, and I don't know that they're going to want teams to travel a ton. They might. But um, I thought when it started, it was really dicey. And by about halfway through, I said, no, you know what? It's really effective.
1: Yeah, it was. I thought it was fun. I mean, I know that the TV numbers for both NHL and NBA were not what they were, and I'm sure some of that there's a lot of people that are saying like I'll never watch sports again as, you know as long as there's politics in sports and I mean there's politics in literally everything, everything. and also just a quick side tangent the people who complain like I don't like politics like I mean politics is like this huge umbrella it's it's education it's it's social issues. I go to it's sports things, right? for
2: fun, Phil. <laughs> right. I don't want people to have feelings.
1: Muhammad Ali literally changed his name from Cassius Clay and took political stance. And I quit and watching like...
2: boxing back then because of that. So, so there are, I'm sure
1: there are <laughs> that was it. some people that vowed to never watch sports, and they and they weren't as interested in watching the NBA or even the NHL. But I thought it was fun, and and honestly, just like to pull back the curtain for guys like us. I mean, we make a living blabbing about sports, and trying to entertain you guys on a regular basis and the NBA was the first league to jump back in after COVID hit to say, you know what, we're gonna do this. We're gonna we don't know we don't have all the information yet, but we're just gonna try and seal ourselves off and bring back sports. And so I I think we're thankful that the NBA took the lead on that and the NHL followed quickly and that those leagues went forward. Um, I do worry that the NFL is starting to spin out of control a little bit with positives and scheduling issues. You know what, though? Because they're
2: not using a bubble. Why are they, I don't get this, why are they so concerned about 16 games for each team? Like, if you get to 14 games, that's fine. Like, that's the thing I don't get. And baseball is the same way. We got to get, no, you don't. It doesn't matter. Like, the fact that you're playing is, is fun. Yesterday, red zone, was great, okay? So if a few teams don't play 16 games, do you know how much I care? Zero. Well, but they're going to get to that point because once... It, but I, that's okay. As they start to
1: exhaust by weeks they're either going to have to add a week 18... Yeah, which they've talked about doing, which I don't do that. Or they're going to have to cancel games.
2: Yeah, cancel games. I don't care. Like, I don't... It's a year of a pandemic. You're playing through it, Okay. Not a big deal as far as oh my god the Falcons played seventeen ge- or you know played uh, fourteen games. What am I going to do? I, I'm fine. It's going to be fine.
1: Dex, are you are you pro or anti bubble sports? Like if, if you had to do this again sometime, I would do it again. If if it means we get sports, I'd do it again. Um, I think the
3: NHL did it phenomenally. I mean, how in the hell? It, I shouldn't say how in the hell. It's amazing that it took a global pandemic to make Gary Bettman look like the best commissioner in sports, who's usually been the laughing stock. And that's not a knock on Adam Silver either, who clearly is the primo and the best commissioner of all the four men's major sports in this country. But I think the NHL hit it on the head. I think the NBA did a phenomenal job. I mean, who would have thought the Miami Heat would make this run? I know uh, we, what it was. Jay Williams was on our show last Tuesday. Would the Miami Heat made this run if there was equal home court advantage? I don't think no. they do. Yeah, so I, I think I think it was a phenom. I think it was a phenomenal task, and I I, I would do it again. But it, it probably would get more complicated if you have to do like a full season. I don't well, know how that would work.
2: Players, are, players would probably balk. Yeah, because then if I have have to be away from friends and family for, to play games in January,
1: I mean the Jim, key, Jimmy Butler wouldn't balk. Jimmy Butler well, would prefer to be away from everybody else. Exactly, yes, but th-
2: the important thing to the entire bubble concept this time around was this: it was all playoffs. I think if you start to go, well, hey, okay, here's the deal. You're going to Edmonton Bubble for regular season game two. People would be like, oh, no, I'm no, not. No, we're
1: good on that. Yeah.
2: But anyway, great job.
1: Yep. It was, uh, it,
2: glad it was back. It was
1: a blast. Um, and so we're going to devote the next hour here to our show of just debating LeBron or Michael Jordan. Are you guys down for that?
2: Uh, I'd like to talk Wilt no? as well. Can can we mix in some <laughs> Russell Chamberlain no, really, discussion? Who's the better,
1: who's the better player? Michael
2: Jordan or LeBron.
1: Come on. Let's go deep. Now,
2: I'm going to tell you right now, the Celtics teams of the sixties would have kicked the ass of this Lakers team up and Actually, down the court.
1: Legit question for you. The Lakers were touting their seventeenth championship very, last night. We're proud. I mean, five of them, right? Five? We got five yeah. Minneapolis Lakers Just championships. That's it. I'm sure he uh Why don't we claim those? Those, those Why do we let them claim those? Is that fair? I, I have no idea. No, it's not fair. It's not fair. I feel like those are our championships.
2: It That's are. the most successful team in Minnesota. Sports they're the history. Lakers because they're from here. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Last they, I checked, there didn't... were no Lakers in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, how many lakes are even in Southern California? I mean, they have a big one. It's called the Pacific. I Ocean. Still,
2: I'll, never understand, I'll never get this one thing. Why on earth, at one time when teams moved, did they just take their name? The Utah Jazz makes no sense. New Orleans Jazz. Great name. That's really cool. Yeah. Now we're going funny. to Utah. The Lakers. Why didn't they change their name? I don't know. It's too late now. No, oh, way like too late now. Branding and stuff. But it's a. But like at the time, we're going to move to Los Angeles. Let's just keep it the Lakers.
1: <laughs> Maybe Sid Hartman had something to do with that. Maybe. Ask him about that. Mm-hmm. We'll get out. So, all right. That's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. And again, be sure to check out Vikings Ventline on the Purple Daily West Podcast on feed.
2: Let's talk West on sale now.
1: <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow.